Welcome to the Innate Flow Podcast, a vibration in the time-space continuum, communicating the wisdom, reflection, and awareness direct from the mouths of authentic truth seekers and spiritual warriors. These conversations are empowered dispatches, co-created to uncover how we as individuals can move into healing our collective consciousness in a holistic and intuitive way. Sit back, quiet the mind, and open the heart as we integrate the here and now. Brady Brewer is the spiritual DJ and 50% of the Inflow team. Brady supports coaches in using breathwork and music therapy to expand their life and businesses. In experiencing many of his spiritually remastered coaching calls, I have come to learn Brady as a deeply tapped in individual tuned with the wisdom of the infinite. For me, Brady is a mystic in the power with which he teaches and guides others and how he carries himself in the world. And I'm proud to call him a friend and a brother. Brady, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nate. Stoked to be here, brother. To kick it right off, who is Brady Brewer and why is he here on this earth right now? That's a really powerful question, man. You know, who we are uh, can be as dynamic and simple as, you know, as we want it to be ultimately. I am a soul that is here on a mission to bring people home to themselves. You know, I am somebody who uh, has identified in my own life the way that my emotions were played, which led to a result that brought me to, you know, learning how to play my emotions myself. You know, I am i I'm a man who, you know, grew up living in many places, uh, encountering many difficulties and struggles. And at one point in life, you know, I was so bought into life being hard that my mantra was just struggle better. You know, if life is going to be hard and going to be a struggle, then I'm going to be really good at struggling. Um, Since then, I've become a man who has identified, well, how much easier can I live my life? How much more simply can I live my life? And so I am a soul driven being who is really excited to just get in the world, share my gifts, be in the world and uh, live the most fulfilling life I can encounter. In, in your reply, you said to guide people back to themselves. Yeah. How in your unique gifts do you go about doing that? Yeah, man, you know, it's like these, it's this idea that we all hold something inside of us that we either have trouble with or struggle against or struggle to make sense of because we don't have language for it. And so like in more ways than one, we lock ourselves out of ourselves. And so being able to bring people home you know, with music and breath, that's, that's one of my favorite things to hear after sessions with clients is like, how are you feeling? We check in 
And it's like, well, I feel, I feel like I'm at home. And, uh, and that's interesting because like, what is home? It's not the home that you grew up in, but you know, the, the, for many the peace that they feel at the end of a session has nothing to do with the home that they grew up in. It has to do with the home that they are now a part of within themselves. And so, you know, how, how is it that I, that I do that? Or, or what does that mean? Like, it, it means that we are finding meaning with what is within us that we don't understand. Yeah. One of the artists that you introduced me to, Alex Sarah, has this line at the end of his song, Love, to the effect that it's not that our home is where the heart is in the essence that it's a physical place. It's that we are at home in our hearts. And when we can truly ground through our breath, through our connection, through our attunement, with music in how we define meaning, then we are truly able to find a sense of peace, a sense of home, a sense of ultimately connection with our soul. Nailed it. Yeah, man. <laughs> I love that song. Just yeah. want to jump into that sunset and never come back. <laughs> mm-hmm. A principle that I've found true in life is that we gravitate towards teaching what it is that we need to learn. You mentioned going through this um, paradigm of like starting with, all right, I need to struggle better. How has that evolved into you teaching that spark, teaching that gift that you need to learn most? In my experience, you know, I'm really grateful for that mantra in the way that it served me at the time that I held it. Um, because as I was coming into myself, uh, or as I was coming into my own, uh, as I was discovering myself, you know, there's many ways we can say that. Um, and I also invite you into the idea that, you know, as we grow and become more and more aware of ourselves, like our soul, our unique energy signature is coming deeper and deeper in. And, um, And so with that awareness that was once outside of you coming inside of you, or in my experience, what was outside of me coming inside of me, um, you know, I became aware of what it was about my life that made it hard. And That's to say that, like, when I was a kid, you know, I thought my parents were superheroes. And then as I grow up and realize that my childhood may not have been as, you know, nice and beautiful as I imagined it was when I was in it, you know, I'm learning the effects of what I grew up in. And I'm learning, you know, that because that happened, I took on this belief and this habit and I've created experiences that have led to struggle for myself. And, um, and so as we are coming into awareness of ourselves and as awareness is coming into us, um, you know, that presents often enough, like pretty radical shifts, pretty radical shifts. Like it presents radical shifts in reality. 
right? For us to be with like big change and change can feel very hard when we don't understand why it's happening. And when we don't understand why change is happening, you know, we might be resistant to it because we don't understand it. And so layer on top of that, not understanding, if we don't understand what change is happening or why change is happening, how do we navigate change? If we have this feeling inside of us that we don't understand, how do we be with change? It's most likely that we resist it and suppress it and we repress how we feel because we don't really want to look at the truth of what is associated with how we feel. Um, And so to answer the question, man, like moving out of that struggle better means like how simply and easily can I be with change while it's occurring? Because change is change happens every day. I'm a different person than I was one minute ago. You know, like I feel different in my life moving from the breakfast table to this podcast, which means I'm a different person. I'm a different person than yesterday because I integrated what I learned yesterday while I was asleep. And now we're in today, (laughs) you know? And so a lot is changing every second, every moment, every day, every week, every month, every year. And sometimes we feel in control of that change. And sometimes we feel out of control of that change. And uh, the more awareness we can carry with us about ourselves, um, the less I find myself struggling with change. And the more I, I notice that I'm being with change much more simply and easily. And it's life is quite a bit better. Yeah. For that. The, the second the second noble truth of Buddhism is that our suffering is our level of resistance with reality. And a lot of what I have found in working with you in being in your spiritually remastered calls is that music is a modality for us to ground into and find the stories that we may have that are showing up in our lives um, in ways that are holding us back and to bring compassion to those stories that allows us to bring meaning to them and move through them. What was that first moment where you found that for yourself in using music as this tool for awareness? Man, I was, you know, I was doing that before I knew I was doing that. Um, and that's as like young as seven years old, you know, it would have been like 1997, 1998. Um, so I'd have been like 10 or 11, actually. Uh, I always love like, uh, recalling stories like this and then tuning into the timeline and being like, oh, I was actually like three years older than I thought I was. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I would have been like 10 or 11, brother. I'm pulling the, uh, pulling the lyric booklet out of the front, uh, front cover of a CD case. And it was for Garth Brooks, the greatest hits album. And uh, in the song, Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up, uh, or I think it's called Ain't Going Down, you know, he's singing very fast. 
and it's a very excited energy it's a very like stimulating energy like you know and of course it is because it's about being a teenager leaving uh leaving the house um going to a rodeo staying out all night like it's got this really rebellious fun playful energy to it and uh when i was 10 like i could feel that but but i didn't understand what he was saying i i couldn't really tell like what the lyrics were i was just like i want to know what he's talking about <laughs> and uh and I wanted to know what he's talking about. I would assert because it, I was like, I wanted to understand why I feel how I feel <laughs> listening to this song. And uh, so, so you know, back when we're still buying CDs and, and listening to CDs and boom boxes and CD players, like little Walkman disc players that were too big to fit in jean shorts pockets, <laughs> um, like in cargo shorts pockets, uh, I pulled that booklet out of the front a case of that plastic CD case and uh, started reading the lyrics. And, and that was the very, that was the first time that was the first time I remember consciously like being like, what is he talking about? Um, and then I would assert that the first time it really, like really affected my life, you know, beyond my subconscious relationship with it uh, would have been in 2014 or 2015 um, where I was, I was having a conversation via text message with my older brother uh, the night before my siblings and I uh, had all gathered because our grandmother mailed us a shoebox of, of pictures. And so we decided to look at the pictures together and like there were tons of pictures in that box that I had never seen, that we had never seen. Um, there were pictures of us with like our our dad who wasn't a part of our life for for a while, and um, it was just a lot of fun, and uh, it was really really fun. And an aspect of my story is that I didn't grow up with my own biological dad, my biological father, and so. In that shoebox, there there were no pictures of me with my dad. Um, there were pictures of me with the father that I grew up with, and um, and there were no pictures of me with my own dad. <clears throat> and there wouldn't be because there aren't any. And uh, so the next day, my brother was checking in and and uh, asking me how I felt. And uh, and because like logically there can't be pictures. So there's no reason to be sad. I was reflecting back to him. It's like, no, man, it's all good. Like there's nothing to be sad about because there's no pit. There's nothing there to be sad about. And then the music that I was listening to, uh, it was, it was a band called 10th Avenue North. I was listening to uh, this Christian band at the time. And the song was called any other way. And, um, as I was as I was describing to him and, and reflecting back to him that everything is fine, I started noticing that actually I'm not fine. Like it actually is really sad that I didn't get to grow up with my dad and that there are no pictures of me at any age in childhood with him um, at all. Right. And so I 
I went from logicking my way out of um, feeling how I felt to like to now hitting send on this message and uh, and then noticing the music come to the forefront and uh, I'm just pulling up the lyrics here to, to read them because it's yeah, yeah so Yeah, so I send this message and I'm like logicking my way out of feeling what there is to feel. And then all of a sudden the music comes in from moves from the background of my experience to the foreground of my experience. I hit send on this message. And the first lyric I, I hear is so let's not pretend, stop your parade trying to convince me that you're all right and everything's okay. Do you even know me? And so it's like, as I was convincing myself that I was okay, I was pretending without knowing that I was pretending. And then I hear God, you know, drop into my awareness and be like, stop trying to convince me that you're okay, bro. Like, you're not okay. You're not okay. And it's okay that you're not okay. Because I already know who you are and all the things that kept us apart. So reach in and touch my scars and know the price I paid for your heart. And so when we integrate this idea of God being something inside of us, instead of God being something outside of us, you know, that was an invitation from my higher self, from my soul, from God to like reach into the sadness that I was feeling, right? Reach into that scar of not having gotten to grow up with my dad and like know it mm. and get to know it. Yeah. What, what I'm hearing within this is that, you know, without knowing it, you are being supported through um, coping mechanisms, spiritual bypass mm -hmm. of, you know, just shutting out, pushing all of the, uncomfortable emotions those dense heavy emotions the fear the guilt the shame the you know whatever it may be that was coming up the music allowed you in connection with your highest self with your soul to tap into that deeper level and allow this density to come up so that it could be outwardly expressed and processed and moved through and integrated yes yes you know that in that moment, you know, realizing that I could choose to like, just be sad. Mm. Like it was perfect. <laughs> the, the home in your heart was yeah. perfect. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So Something that we all experience on this hero's journey is this death of the old identity. And that allows the new to be born or reborn because it's this spiral of ourselves in finding ourselves where we once were 
as a new person, what was um, the first experiencing or crisis of that fracturing of consciousness on your journey to get where you are presently? So what I'm hearing there is we, uh, you know, on the hero's journey, we encountered death within ourselves and, and then we eventually spiral back around to that, to that experience. Right. And so From the a new question place. is, what was the first time I encountered that? Yeah. What's coming up for me right now, you know, like my family, uh, my father figure that raised me uh, was in the oil industry. And so we, uh, we moved around a lot when I was a kid uh, for his job, which was relocating him, which meant we were relocating. And uh, so like I, we, moved, we moved 11 times by the time I was 16. Like I was in different schools all throughout grade school, uh, middle school, and then even after you know my parents divorced or after my mom divorced him, it doesn't matter how how I say that they got divorced. <laughs> uh, we we even kept moving around. You know, I went to five different high schools, and um, so it's like every time we moved, I encountered death. You know, and then every time I entered a new school, I encountered life. It's like rebirth. And so what's interesting about your question is that I got, I, you know, I, I received an opportunity to uh, integrate, le- you know, many, many lessons many, many times as a kid. And so I kept just like, spiraling back around to you know new front doors to a new school filled with new teachers and new you know peers and friends and and new opportunities to um be this more integrated version of myself based on the last school that i was at (laughs) um and i would assert that um i didn't i i learned a lot and I, and I didn't integrate nearly as much because, you know, moving that often as a, as a young being was, was quite the downward spiral in my experience. Um, and I would say that that was the first time I encountered that. Yeah. And, you know, what you're describing in your connection to music in those early days was that it gave you that grounding in the sense that no matter what you were experiencing, that it was okay. And to be curious with what was happening as that curiosity has evolved, what has been the most recent fracturing of consciousness for you that you have stepped into the new from? Yeah. You know, like music, Music in and of itself was this like really grounding force in my experience because it was the thing that I could choose for myself. 
And, um, and so while we were moving around, it's like, I didn't really feel like I had much choice except to be moved. And so, you know, music was this thing that was like, not necessarily mine. However, it was something that it was mine, you know, it was, it was my like place that I could go that, that accepted me no matter how I felt or, or what was going on. Like it was, it was always there. It was the constant. And uh, in the way that it wasn't the constant was like the many different kinds of music that showed up along the way. And like, as, as you were describing that, you know, fracturing of, of consciousness, like a real turning point occurred in the, it would have been around seventh grade when my friend introduced me to like disturbed, you know, down with the sickness. And even before that, like I was listening to Lincoln park. And so here I am in this, like at the back end of this downward spiral, I'm like a teenager and quite withdrawn internally, like externally expressed. I had friends, this, that, and the other. And like, there was a lot of inner turmoil. And I know that's true because, you know, like that, the, the paper cut album by Lincoln park, like crawling in the dark. Yeah. That's really what's at the front of my mind right now, because I, I was reflecting on it last night. Um, it was so present, like crawling in the dark, these wounds, they will not heal. <laughs> Declaring angst. as yeah. a teenager, like, that I have wounds and they're not healing. <laughs> and then I, and then I go get down with the sickness with disturb. Um, so like, so where, what was the question again? Cause like the, the, the fracturing aspect. of consciousness, yeah. what I'm hearing in that is that music can be this outlet for that transgressive energy. And I remember back at, in seventh grade, eighth grade, I was listening to a lot of Nas, a lot of Eminem, like a lot of like gangster rap, angry hip hop that mm -hmm. was mirroring a lot of that, um, th these, you know, emotions of anger at the world that I had no context for understanding because they were very new to me and coming into these hormones that I was feeling and feeling like, how do I fit in this world? And that was, it was helpful for me to be able to tune into those, or maybe it wasn't helpful. I'm not sure. It may have made <laughs> me even angrier. So describe to me what that power of allowing you to go into these emotions mm. and did they help you move through them mm. or were they just indulgent and giving you that, like that sense of like, without <laughs> really allowing you to move through them? Yeah, man. Like, in those young teenage years, you know, it was that, that kind of music. And then moving into my like more young adult years where I'm like 18, 19, 20, um, I progressed in, you know, from Lincoln park to things like things like, uh, you know, kill switch engage and, uh, like fit for a King and, uh, a day to remember. And, Atrey you and just a lot of like metal, metal core, uh, hard rock. And 
what I noticed in hindsight is that the music got harder energetically and it also became more conscious, even though I still wasn't conscious of myself, you know, listening to it at this awareness that I'm at now, I tuned into like, I love listening to kill, kill switch engage because when I encounter limiting beliefs, it's like, I, I, I hit the kill switch. I notice it kill switch engaged. <laughs> no more of that going over here. And, uh, and then they do a beautiful job of articulating, you know, what is occurring in that space. I, I love that band. And then, you know, from there, and that's also like that season of my life was when I was bodybuilding, powerlifting. I was really rigid, regimented. I would assert like my, uh, my masculinity in that season of my life was um, airing on the uh, side of toxic because of how repressive and suppressive I was within myself. Um, again, engaged with the world, strength coach, personal trainer, bartender, like really active socially, had a girlfriend, you know, things looked really fun and pretty cool on the outside. Internally, I was fucking wrecked, man. So withdrawn from most things and really engaged with the distraction that like weightlifting and bartending and being in a relationship created for myself. Um, so that was like one fracturing. Uh, that was like when I was really in my fractured self. And, and I was like, how can I be in my fractured self if, if I'm fractured? Like I was just really in the space between. <laughs> and uh, and moving into my like mid 20s, uh, when I was 26, the girl I was dating uh, moved away and and like I really like awakened to just how withdrawn I was and uh, what that meant, you know, like what what I was making that mean about me, like what it potentially meant, regardless of what I was making it mean. And like I was I began this like search, you know, and that's when I went, got into religion, really started focusing on my relationship with Christ and with God and uh, move into my late 20s. And, and I would say that like when I was 28 uh, or no, 30, it would have been 2018. I was 30 years old. And uh, I would say the most aggressive like fracturing of myself other than when my mom you know, told my dad I wasn't his when I was a baby and took off with me. Yeah, the most aggressive, I would say, fracturing of, of myself was when I was 30. And uh, I, I realized through being engaged with a, a, a woman and who had a son that I was, you know, through our relationship, I was trying to fix my mom and save myself. And then when I caught that, I caught on to that a year after it dissolved. Um, that is where like my reality really began to dissolve. Um, it's where everything that I thought about myself and the world shifted. And I got to integrate this, this uh, awareness that, you know, trying to fix my mom and save myself is not useful, <laughs> you know, and trying to fix or save anything is not useful. Um, and so I, I, I launched myself into the most 
deep and introspective um, night of my life. And what carried me through that musically um, were artists like Nako in Medicine for the People and Trevor Hall. Um, those were like the big two. Sat Sang showed up in that space. Um, I was listening to a lot of electronics. So like RL Grime uh, was anchoring in that space. What, what I'm hearing in yeah. this is being very much in the masculine and coming out of this, you know, listening to a lot of metal, being very into bodybuilding, weightlifting, mm -hmm. and coming into a space where you are then integrating the feminine. You know, the masculine comes from this place of solving a problem from the logical mind, whereas the feminine helps us integrate the fact that in our awareness, in moving into a space of flow and acceptance and being with the chaos, we can then, you know, use that as a catapult into the new, the new awareness, that integrative space. So as you went through this very challenging night, where did you find yourself on the other side? And what was that process following that experience? You know, I would assert that I'm still coming out the other side of that experience. That marked the end of something and the beginning of something else that is still going. And that is my like conscious expansion of myself and my heart and in my being. You said it, you said it really beautifully, you know, like moving out of that style of masculinity. Uh, I entered this like deep feminine healing space. And as I'm coming out, what I am coming out of is being on in that feminine polarity, because I wouldn't say that like I am healed, right? I've done a lot of healing and like my healing journey is, I imagine, going to go on for all eternity. And what I know to be true otherwise is that I swung out of my masculinity. I swung into like the feminine to really nurture and heal and love myself and come into, you know, come into center and congruence and coherence with my heart. And now it's time to like express into the world in a new way. And, and so as I'm swinging out of that feminine polarity, I'm, I've noticed like resistance of, of re-entering my masculine polarity because back then it wasn't good for me. <laughs> and so now I'm like reshaping um, and redeveloping my relationship as I'm swinging back out of like my deep, deep healing um, and back into my like re-engagement with the world, right, uh, at large. And so what, it, what it's turning into to really answer the question here is is it's coming into like finding harmony in, in this like unification of my masculine and of my feminine so that I can really be with that with that structure and provide myself you know some rigidity and some of that focused intention uh, in like king warrior energy and then like really harmonize it with my lover magician in that you know feminine space where now 
like here's this creative flowing energy that I ultimately am just a channel for. Um, not that I am a channel, right? Although I am like a vessel, you know, I'm a vessel for God source to come into and then experience reality. Um, so like, here's this, here's this energy of my soul, just like really stoked to, to like be a part of the world. And then, uh, which can feel a bit chaotic because it's coming in and expressing. It's like, I want to go do that. I want to go do that. And like, Oh, happy distraction over there. Oh, purpose and intent over there. Like, and now here's my mask going to be like, okay, sweet. Here's what we get to do to really direct that and focus that and send it in a direction that's of service to like my evolution, my highest evolution and the highest evolution of the world. And so so yeah, brother, like as I'm coming out of that dark night and moving into the dawn and the day, it's really just this potent process for me of just harmonizing. Before you even said it, the warrior king was coming through to me as the archetype that you are integrating yeah. in this space of allowing and really feeling into how that energy, that soul energy gets to be directed in your gifts powerfully expressed out into the world last year you joined with will burnett to bring your gifts of music into the inflow educational container what has that process been like for you in stepping into that space of co-creation with will yeah man like i would i would like concur that warrior king energy being very present to really step into ownership and responsibility and then there's also this like i really admire and appreciate the like the warrior sage energy and the distinction that that is present for me is that the sage uh, especially with like the state of the world like the sage can acknowledge what's going on around him or her and be like, okay, that's going on over there. All right, fine. And then keep going, right? And stay on purpose and on mission while also like deactivating any of that energy as it attempts to come into the space. And so as that all was occurring, um, because like this, this awareness too of, of music and really organizing um, the way that I have used it to heal myself so that I can. Um, contribute to helping others heal themselves. Um, a lot of that has come online, like through since 2020. Um, and from 2020 to now, it's been like a really put like powerful journey for me again, to just notice what's been occurring in the world. And then having this awareness and this, um, you know, my gifts really come online and find the ways that I can share them with as many people as I can, as quickly as I can. And sometimes quickly was quite slow because holy shit, there's a lot going on <laughs> in a lot of ways and on many fronts. So I cross, uh, so I was on this uh, journey last year. It was called Fall Spring North. And uh, there were seven of us that met up in Sedona, Arizona, and traveled from there north, following the season of spring, um, as far north as Washington, and uh, for one of us, as far as Alaska. And so 
it was this really powerful journey, brother. And it was actually a year ago now. It would have been April where we were in Apple Valley, Utah. And uh, Will was hosting a breath work. And we all decided to drop in as a house. And so we jump into the Zoom. We received the breath work. And within the breath work, like I was being guided through an interaction with music that I had already like put myself through without really knowing that's what I was doing. And so what that showed me was like, Will and I are going to be doing something in the future. I don't know what it is and not yet. And I'm excited to find out. <laughs> and so, and so from April through August, uh, I just kept getting on his calls. We, uh, we got together on Zoom to just connect and get to know one another and, and identify like what, uh, what, we're, what we're doing, what we want to do. We both realized immediately uh, after I shared my gifts with him because his gifts are, are very much breath work and my gifts are very much like this, this thing that I do with music. <laughs> and uh, we realized they were, they were, you know, went together like peanut butter and jelly. So how can we amalgamate, make this one thing? And um, I went through, we went through each other's courses and we've been collaborating now with intention since August. I texted him in August because I got that down. I got a download. I was like, hey, brother, just had a vision. I see how I, I see how we get to work together. Are you open to receiving it? And he goes, yeah, brother, I had a vision the other day. <laughs> And so, <laughs> so we're both just getting hit with these downloads days apart from each other and uh, decided to go all in. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing all of the ways that my relation to your journey is reflected in, in this experience that I'm in presently. It was last um, around this time last year that I was here in Taos where I am presently and was first stepping into experimenting with nomad life to see how it worked in doing these two week journeys coming down from Denver into Taos, spending two weeks in the back country by the river and the hot springs, and then came back and over the summer connected with Grant Thomas, who at the time had just come back from follow spring North and was like, Hey, just went through, cause we were talking about breath work. We were jamming on psychedelics, all of these different um, synchronous things and he's like yeah i just went through this breathwork certification with will burnett and i was like hmm, interesting and was telling me about follow spring north and listened to a podcast that ben joy did with sean lazio about their experience and that was that first hit of like oh shit that's something that i'm doing i'm doing that and at the same time for the past 12 weeks have gone through the inflow program with you with will and feel it all coming full circle as our paths become more and more deeply intertwined and resonating deeply with that recognition in this moment. That's so cool, man. <laughs> it's so cool. Like connecting the dots backwards is such a fun game to play because we get to see like how we were prepared and, uh, and just like given everything we needed we were brought the allies we were brought tools we were brought to the place in time that we got to be to like choose 
to engage the allies and tools. It's the so the hero's journey. We, we find so ourselves on the spiral again yeah. to find ourselves where we once were as different connected people. Yeah, it's, it's like we're the same people and we're different people in, in the exactly. same place, which is also a different place. <laughs> yeah. Music as the mirror is something that you have really guided me into recognition of. Yeah. The same way that psychedelics function as that mirror. How have psychedelics supported your journey and your connection with music? Yeah, man. The uh, back, you know, to, to throw it back to the uh, beginning of, of the dark night, or I would even say just like the start of a, of a different night. <laughs> um, you know, when, when, that, when that relationship uh, when my engagement dissolved and, and I exited that space, and then a year later, really uh, realized the grief that I held around my relationship with my mom and and um, just my experience as a kid. It introduced me to I wouldn't say the possibility; rather, it introduced me to the way that my subconscious and unconscious mind was was driving the car and uh you know i was really living from up from my wounds rather than from my heart even though i thought i was living from my heart and that's what caused that like fracturing it's like whoa it's just like everything i thought was true is not accurate and uh and for that's for myself and so that is when i uh opened up you know and shit man like i had been listening to i'd been drawn to all those you know psychedelic podcasts that that joe rogan would do and and uh i was just like opening up to this idea that like here's this this thing um substance that we can consume that opens up our minds and opens up our hearts to possibilities of something else you know and uh and that something else seemed to be very close to like god you know because as i'm like really moving through my christian you know phase of being a a, a christian and uh, being very religious, I would assert, um, it's like, here's what I'm being told God is. And then here's another example of what God can be. Like that one feels way more like likely. <laughs> and, mm. and so as I'm acknowledging like my wounds and my subconscious mind and realizing that there's a lot I imagine in my unconscious mind based on the childhood that I experienced from, you know, zero to seven, uh, you know, those earliest days of my learning, like there's a lot in me that I don't know is there. And I would love to discover what that is. And so I, uh, yeah, I just started connecting with, with my friends who had already began exploring, um, and also began inviting experiences, um, that were, quite novel and new like music festivals and concerts and um and so around 30 yeah 30 was the first time 
I, uh, I experienced LSD and, um, it was, it was a, an extremely transformative, um, experience. It was, and it was transformative in the way that I, um, yeah, I got to realize what, you know, what else is possible to put it very simple. <laughs> One of the things that Paul check says is that religion teaches us about God and entheogens psychedelics introduce us to God. And it's that that duality of like like understanding with from the conscious mind to feeling and connecting with the God within ourself. And that can be a powerful mirror once again for a lot of the ways in which we may not be showing up for our highest self or be in alignment with our highest purpose. What were those initial connections of awareness, connecting the dots between your present path and your soul self, your soul awareness that may have been uncomfortable or that may have been coming back to that fracturing of identity to allow you to integrate and then step into the new? You know, in in my experience with like LSD and psilocybin, I, you know, I got to experience dissolution of, of my ego, my ego, my ego, my ego. <laughs> <laughs> um, and <laughs> that's funny. Um, Maybe a Freudian slip. Is, is your ego represented by this, this big eagle who is proud and. <laughs> yeah, man. Like what, what came up there as I said, it was that the eagle is this emblem of, of our, of our nation here Mm. i'll remove all adjectives and just call it our nation (laughs) this this corporation that is the united states and um and it just so happens to be i you know it's it's possible it just so happens to be the the ego of the world you know Mm. um this this place is is a, a a highly egoic place and uh, it just so happens to be dissolving right now. <laughs> so, so yeah, man. So with uh, all that being said, you know, bringing it back to myself here, um, substances like LSD and psilocybin um, introduced me to what I am without ego, and within that, like place and state uh i got to i got to interact with like i got to interact with reality i got to interact with truth you know like when when we come into this when i came into my new awareness of myself there were moments where i i re-experienced my past life from new, a, a different perspective, you know? So I, I, it was as though I was re-experiencing myself as, you know, as a witness and observer of myself. You know, you, you hear about people that go into, into experiences and they like experience their birth. And this is, this is a story I've heard around ayahuasca. I've never done that. However, it's like you go 
drink ayahuasca and then you experience your birth as your mother. And that changes your perception of what that experience represented, right? It gives you a different awareness of, of what occurred or what potentially occurred. And so for me, like, as I, as I came into these awarenesses of like, and, and integrated. So like, I came into this awareness that I was trying to fix uh, my mom and save myself, which invited me into a space of questioning how I have projected my mother onto the females in my life um, that in, including like my sister, any girlfriends, any girls I've dated, any girls that, you know, were friends, like how have I projected my mom onto all feminine in my life? I, it, it was as though like I just dropped into that point in time and got to re-experience it from an integrated place. You know, I, I re-encountered the choices that I made and the impact. Uh, it, and I'm, I'm saying like I re-encountered the impact that my choices had. And it's, it's not likely to be real accurate, you know, because it happened and it happened the way that it happened. And everything else is based on imagination. Everything else is imagination. Um, with the exception of the wisdom of the plant. Um, so it's like those experiences, man, you know, encountering that, that those fractured, those moments of fracturing and then engaging them to embrace the, like the, the lesson, however uncomfortable it was. Like I was, I grieved, you know, the, I grieved the possibility and the likelihood um, that friendships ended because of the pain that I created or co-created, right? I can't take full responsibility. Um, and like, that was really, it was really uncomfortable, man. Like, and it was a blessing. It was a, beautiful blessing. You know, it was like going back to that story from, um, hearing God in that song and really realizing my pain around not having pictures with my father. It's like, those moments are perfect. What you're describing in your relationship with your mother to, to tune into that within the training camp for the soul structure, the mm -hmm. mother represents the relationship to self. Mm -hmm. And in trying to fix your mother, you were really trying to fix yourself. And in seeing that judgment within yourself that you had towards yourself, and also the archetype of the, the mother as represented through all of the feminine relation, the relationship you have with the feminine in the world, I imagine healing that is also allowing you to step more into that flow that chaos that allows you to then reintegrate that king sage that you know being a home in the heart that presence with what you're experiencing that you can then reorient yourself to the world from a more in, 
actualized, individualized place. Yeah, man. Like in my experience, you know, that, uh, you know, my experience with, with training camp for the soul was, was, uh, was really powerful because I was, that was the first time I was introduced to, um, really just relating with my energy. Um, you know, they say, even if you didn't grow up with your dad, like focus on your biological dad, focus on your biological father. Um, and that like forced me into this space of, you know, receiving those prompts and receiving those triggers and, um, really sensing my father's energy in me, even though I wasn't, you know, steeped in it or, or, uh, you know, even though I hadn't learned directly from it, like it allowed me to interact with the energy that lived within me that was his or that is his. So it was this really like unfamiliar energy, right? And I would assert that it was the aspect of me that like, I just, it's that, it's that thing that was in me that like, there was something just like, doesn't feel right and i don't understand like i just what what is this um like am i going to be stuck with this thing that just feels off and wrong forever it, it was that kind of thing so I, I go into training camp for the soul and and uh, i started interacting with my father's energy as it was you know as it is and, and as it was in me which was this really just mysterious presence and um and then also started working more um, directly with my with my mom's energy, um, and so it, it went from just like doing my best to listen to podcasts and do this, that, and the other to learn and practice myself to like really being guided and and releasing my mind and just again sensing what was present around these triggers, and um, and. I forgot where we started with that. <laughs> it's all good. What, you know, you're coming into the sensing of your triggers and using the tools to create that space of awareness between the stimulus and the response. Yeah. And to connect and ground into, all right, what is, what am I present to in my body? And yeah. then, what is going to take me? What is going to anchor me into that? That I can then use the breath, use the power of music and meaning and bring the awareness to my story so that I can, you know, take that response from the most compassionate place, that response ability, our ability to respond. Yeah, man. Cause so it's like, that's another fun thing about you know, connecting the dots backwards is really acknowledging how our ability and how my ability to respond has, you know, engaged and expanded and like really grown. Um, because, you know, in, in that experience of, of, you know, being raised by my mom and, and another man and like the circumstances that were a part of that, um, without the presence of my biological father, there was this really like powerful suppression and repression of, of my selfness with, with withdrawing from myself, um, which kept me ignorant of myself 
And then there was this like not knowing, you know, even, even if that wasn't the case, there was this sense of like not knowing how, you know, how to acknowledge it or like how to be with it or how to navigate, you know? And so like, here's this thing that I'm repressing that my ability to respond to is, is quite minimal. And all of a sudden here I am like sitting with it. (laughs) Here's this, here's this energy that I know very little about. Um, Here's this other energy that I also consciously know very little about. Um, There were, there were in, in both aspects in both like realms of mother and father it's like here's all this energy that like consciously i didn't know very much about (laughs) in coming into that space of responsibility what are the biggest or what is one big tool day to day that you could advise people to use who are stepping on to this path of self-knowledge of self-awareness just want to acknowledge first that this this conversation is really meta in that like what we are talking about is simultaneously occurring in real time man so what's what's a tool um what's coming up right now is to to notice where you are attached to something being a certain way and then once you notice your attachment to that thing being a certain way really opening to how it can be different and compassionate with yourself if you realize that seeing this other way you come into the awareness of how much time was spent without it being that way and i imagine that time shrinks as we go through the process what does that look like in terms of you know your relationship with music your relationship with breath work to do that in real time yeah man noticing attachment being curious about another way that something can be and then being compassionate with yourself if you notice that the way that it's been uh, hasn't served you what that can look like you know it, it's this de- it, so l- months ago i was introduced to this definition of of unconditional love it's like we think unconditional love is one thing and if we were to you know for in my in my experience if i were to associate unconditional love with um the love that i received from my mom like it was filled to the brim with conditions and so once i unpacked that and i allowed myself to really feel how i felt about it like i would assert that i moved into this unconditional love like for myself through that experience and so unconditional love becomes something other than or it became something other than what i thought it was and when it became that like it was because i moved into this like unconditional acceptance of how i felt in my experience moment to moment um it was this unconditional acceptance of feeling what there was to feel 
saying what there was to say and being radically honest with myself first and foremost, especially when it made me uncomfortable. And, um, because that brought me into, into truth that brought me into, uh, into alignment and integrity with myself. Um, you know, because with the old model of unconditional love, I was sacrificing myself to keep other people happy and comfortable and, and all the things. But, you know, when I shifted and put that light onto me, um, I started holding myself accountable in a different way. I started um, honoring myself and others in a different way. I stopped making other people responsible, responsible for my comfort and started taking responsibility for my own comfort. You know, a lot of things began to change and shift when I noticed my attachment to, let's say, like, you know, when we enter a relationship with somebody and we notice that they're not doing something that we would like for them to do. Well, it's like, what, what do we, what, why am I attached to them doing this thing the way that I think they should do it? Probably because it's going to make me more comfortable if they do it the way that I think they should, because if they do it the way I think they should, now they're being who I need them to be to make me comfortable, happy, safe, etc. Well, simultaneously what's occurring is that's making me miserable. It's making them miserable. And it's like our relationship is suffering. <laughs> and so remove that attachment. And all of a sudden I'm supportive of the experience I'm having. I'm able to be honest with my partner about this, the experience that I'm having. And I get to be also supportive of my partner in the experience that she is having. And so now all of a sudden, instead of this like codependency or this rather dependency, now there's individuation, which creates space for us both to grow and expand in the best ways for us to grow and expand and then support each other in that process. Now our relationship, instead of suffering because I'm attached to things being a certain way or to her being a certain way. Now it's this really supportive, like little love nest of, of growth and expansion. <laughs> and so that's, it, that's a trope. way that it, it looks, you know, I, I, I radically and unconditionally accept myself in a way that propels me forward and is supportive in the highest evolution of myself and, and everybody around me. And I imagine as you become more tapped into your connection with the divine, yeah, yeah. That is the channel to your, you know, through your soul, to your sense of self that you are able to bring to your inner child or to the, the facet of yourself that is not experiencing what it needs so that you are filling your own needs from inside rather than seeking that external validation, that external need and are really anchoring into, you know, all right. I'm present to what I'm experiencing. How can I create that space of safety, that space of love within, oh, just love yourself. Just love yourself as this state of like a, um, a state of being. And it's really a meditative process of bringing yourself to that awareness of first and foremost, showing up for yourself, coming back to the warrior king 
of like, all right, I am showing up for all of these different aspects of myself, the inner critic, the ego, the inner child, the shadow, and integrating all the aspects of myself and recognizing the different voices as they show up in my life and knowing what to listen to when from a space of compassion from that space you show up as the warrior king as the sage king in these different relationships from a space of empowerment from a space of self-ownership and self-knowledge yes 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 aho to all of that you know because this sage energy in the world like acknowledging what's going on in the world is is going on over there and there's a lot that i can do and there's also in some ways nothing i can do to change it um except for well that's actually like really not true because there's a shitload that i can do to change myself within it and um and then from at a smaller scale it's like well there's my partner just being my partner you know there's her being all of herself that's going on and i get to like love and support that instead of like try to contain it in this idea or th- this projection of what i you know what makes me you know comfortable or whatever um in that space of of navigating and co-navigating and being like unconditionally accepting and engaging how we feel moment to moment with curiosity and compassion it's like as as things are changing and shifting um and life sends us an experience or we create an experience for ourselves to have music is there you know like i i I would love to just integrate like how music interacts with all of this right because when that's happening and i am experiencing myself in life i feel the way that i feel I want to say what there is to say in, in whatever ways are still showing up from like well-practiced patterns, habits, beliefs, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Like there's, so there's music. I'm having this experience and I'm listening to music while I'm having this experience. Like what music is it? Because when you realize the power that, that we give to music, I'm not going to say the power that music has, when we realize the power that we're giving to music, we get to acknowledge like, oh, music is showing me where I am or music is holding me where I am. And when music is holding you where you are, like you'll know that's occurring because you're really like in the emotion. You're relating with life from the emotion. I am angry versus I'm experiencing anger. You know, when you realize what what music is showing you, it's you're you're living from that place of I'm experiencing anger. And so when angry music shows up, especially like air quote on its own, <laughs> when it just comes into your field, it's like why is this okay? I'm angry. I'm noticing that I'm experiencing angry right now, like anger. What am I angry about? And so that's where you get to like get curious and open yourself up to this possibility that something is occurring that you don't realize is occurring, which then empowers you with this choice of how to interact with it and how like how to move with it and move forward through it.
right? And then integrate that fractured part of you that's, that's inevitably showing up because that's, that is what is occurring. Uh, and I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. And that's where music to me is like this becomes this like really awesome, like little, little rake, this little rake through all time, because it like casts, it projects this movie in your mind and you get to experience the emotion and sensation and, and the feeling. And it's like, if it's not, if it didn't happen, if it's not happening now, or rather it's, it's this thing that is happening now that's tied to something that happened somewhere else in time and space. And so you get to like, go there, find that part of you, rake yourself out of it, integrate that shit, come into wholeness and interact with reality from this place of like, mm, it's like, thank you, you know, <laughs> using it as that tool for time travel, yeah. to take yourself back into the past to pull that, you know, that limited sense of self into the present so that you're then able to see where you're identifying as it, mm -hmm. and then to heal that facet of yourself using these deep transpersonal breathwork practices can, mm -hmm. you know, catalyze that space in creating new meaning around the song and ultimately in integrating that old aspect of yourself to use it as a lesson so that you're then able to step forward in your life from a space of healing and awareness. Oh yeah, man. Like it's, and the breath, the breath is so key, right? Because like when, when we, when a song comes on the radio, like back when I was like listening to the radio, uh, I haven't listened to the radio in you know, like years and years and years. And I'm really thankful like to my soul for guiding me away from the radio because, you know, that is a, a, a uh, tool for, you know, mass formation, psychosis and, and mind control. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so um, that, that'll be the topic of our next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this song comes on and it contains this like this emotion and this experience of ourselves that like makes us feel uncomfortable. And, and it, whatever that experience is, it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to go there because I don't want to like, I don't want to feel sad. I don't want to feel that sadness. I don't want to go there because like, I don't want to feel that anger. Uh, I don't want to feel like, I don't, I don't want to be with the real that reality of what happened. Um, and so we changed the song and through like in that, like two seconds, it takes to change the song. We are automatically like shoving ourselves down and shoving our emotions away and shoving our experience away. And, um, and what I invite anybody that's listening to this to do, uh, and to begin noticing, like, uh, when you're in that like unconscious space of like, and, and like, listen, if you don't like the song, you're allowed to not like the song. And if there is energy associated with the song that you don't want to feel, I, I invite you to stop your finger from pushing that button and get curious. And the first thing that you get curious about is what is my breath doing? Where is my breath? Because as soon as that happens, right, like what happens when like something really upregulating occurs in life we our our breath like goes into our throat 
and we enter that panic state. We fight, flight, freeze. And then, then what? You know what I mean? A lot of people just don't know what to do in that state or in that Or space. reinforcing that old belief, that old pattern. Or they're, yeah, exactly. Or they move into that, to that unconscious pattern of, of like executing from what they know and, and what is comfortable. And, uh, and in, as soon as you notice what your breath is doing, if it's high and if you're holding it, take a breath, right? Take a big, deep breath. Put, you know, drive the breath into the belly and just exhale with a sigh of relief or just a sigh, right? Take another breath. Okay. Now, as you're breathing, your nervous system is beginning to downregulate and this perceived threat becomes just this experience that you're having and then you get to have the experience. Uh, because like uh, that, that threat of feeling what you don't want to feel now it's an invitation, right? It moves from a threat to an invitation. And if, if you have the capacity, and this is something I work with people on, it's like cultivating the capacity to hold yourself through feeling what there is to feel and to give yourself permission to say what there is to say honestly about it. Cause like, you're the only one that's going to hear it. You can stop judging yourself as soon as you're ready to stop judging yourself, you know, and allow yourself to, to really just be authentic with how you feel, not you, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, you're like one of the most authentic motherfuckers I've, I've gotten to connect with. <laughs> Received brother. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm honored to have been able to go to the places that we have together, man. When you're able to do that, like you're instead of skipping the song, instead of skipping your experience, instead of, you know, turning off your emotions, you really get to give yourself the opportunity to regulate and like have a choice have a choice and when you start to choose yourself by choosing to listen to that song that contains the memory that you know elicits that um uncomfortable emotion experience sensation whatever like it, like get ready to be surprised by what changes in your life and in that choice is the freedom and the growth that Victor Frankel talks about. Brady Brewer, where can people work with you? How can they engage with you if they have questions about the work you're doing and would like to dive deeper? Yeah, man. So the best place to find me, the easiest place to find me is Instagram. Uh, it's at the spiritual DJ. And uh, the other place that you can connect with us is at inflow.co. And uh, currently, you know, when is, when does this drop? This, this will likely drop in the next two weeks. Yeah. So, um, so with that being said, we've got uh, class four of inflow starting on May 12th. Inflow.co is the best place to connect with that. Um, Instagram is the best place to connect with me and, um, yeah, reach out. Let's connect. Let's riff. Let's jam. 
Uh, I'm excited to support you in every way that I can. Beautiful, brother. Thank you so much for being on, for being true, for being authentic and present with this conversation, with this space. Sending you so much love. Be well. Yes, you too, brother. Love you guys.